Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Jesus tells us the truth about God. If you really want to know the truth about God, there is Jesus. Make no mistake about it. He's the way, He is the truth, and truth is the enlightenment so we understand all we need to know about the Almighty. See, Jesus said the way, the truth, and the life. Does that sound too narrow, too exclusive? Truth is always narrow and exclusive. You see, heaven is, heaven is. The truth is Christ is preparing a place for you. Today, Dr. Young begins his message, Heaven is Real, and encourages you to find hope for today in the fact that Jesus is getting ready for your homecoming right now. Hear more in just a moment on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Now, here's Dr. Ed Young with today's message, Heaven is Real. Every three seconds, someone dies. Every second, three people die. Every minute, 180 people die. Every hour, 11,000 people die. Every day, 250,000 people leave this earth. The mortality rate is 100%. 100%. And therefore, when we cease to function as a living person in this world. The atheists, the agnostics say, I don't know. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We go back to dust to nothingness. We cease to exist. Are we who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in that book knows that when life leaves this body, we go to heaven or we go to hell. Understanding that God never sends anybody to hell, it is a choice we make on this earth that decides our destiny. So we're going to be looking at for weeks to come, heaven, heaven. And every time I say, Heaven is, you'll answer real. Let's try it. Heaven is? Real. Here are some of the questions we'll answer in days to come. Look, look, look at the screen if you would. We'll answer the question, will we know everything in heaven? Will we all be equal in heaven? Do people in heaven see us now? Will we have emotions in heaven? Will we feel sorrow in heaven for those who are in hell? Will we know everything in heaven? We all be equal in heaven? People in heaven see us now? 
Will we be free to sin in heaven? There's a good question. Will we possess anything in heaven? Will you have anything? Will we wear clothes in heaven? Are there animals in heaven? Is heaven serious or funny? Why won't we be bored in heaven? Will we have bodies in heaven? And that's what we'll look at next week. We'll look at a supernatural body in a supernatural world because we know one thing, that heaven is How many of you have ever got on the internet and looked at real estate on the internet? Would you lift your hand? You just looked at real estate? A lot of people, good, good, good. It's called real estate. For example, if we got the right uh, zip code, we went to Santa Barbara, California. Here's a house we could see that's for sale right now. Look at it. Santa Barbara, there it is. Nice little house there in Santa Barbara. (laughs) But it's a bargain. They want only $74 million for it. So, I mean, (laughs) let's go to Atlanta, Georgia. There's a house for sale there, real estate. Let's look at that zip code. Here's the house, Atlanta, Georgia. Nice house. They want only $750,000 for that one. Oh, let's go to Amman, Jordan. How many have ever been to Jordan? Lift your hand. It's a great country. I've been there. Amman, Jordan. Look at this house in Amman, Jordan. That's the view over Amman. The house is for sale there. Okay. They want $750,000 roughly in our money for that house in Amman, Jordan. So on the internet, there are three houses for sale. So what do you get? What do you get? What do you get? Get five, get five, get five, get five, get five, get five. I guess we should auction them off. But how many of you people believe that these houses are real and they exist? in Santa Barbara and Atlanta and Amman. How many of you really believe that? Would you lift your hand? Now, you can't see those literally, but we believe they're there. They are real. But sometimes we can be confused about what we see and what we don't see. Like the two blondes were on the coast and and they look out over there and they look at the moon and one blonde says to the other, are we closer to the moon or to Florida? And the other blonde says, can you see Florida? (laughs) So we can be confused about what is real and what is not real. But we know one thing in our study that as we talked about Easter, Christ is risen. We will see that heaven is real. 
Now, people have trouble believing that because it is out of this world, but is real. Heaven exists. Let me show you how real it is. Would everybody clap your hands? Then that chair, you just feel that chair. Would you feel a little bit? All right, take a deep breath. Oh, that's real, isn't it? You know, the chair, the noise, the clap. Heaven is just that real. And we'll talk about reality in a sense. Most of us think reality has to do with material. If it's real, it has to be material. But we know after we think about it, that's not true. Real is material and heaven will be material, but also real is spiritual. Can you see love? Can you see friendship? Love, friendship, these are intangible. So in heaven we discover there will be that which is material and that which is immaterial, that which we can measure objectively and that which we cannot measure subjectively. We will have a resurrected body that will be real spiritually and physically in another dimension, and we'll look at that next time we gather. But now we're talking about heaven. And when I think about heaven, you know the verse that comes to my mind and the chapter is John 14. Most of us are familiar with John 14, chapter number 14, verse one says, do not let your heart be troubled. Now let's get the context of Jesus speaking these words. He's in the upper room. It's only hours before his arrest and his crucifixion. This is valedictory address in which he's instructing those 11 apostles one last time, and he's trying to teach them and let them understand that he's about to leave. Now, a lot of people take this passage and they say, let not your heart be troubled. And they say, well, if you're a Christian, you should never have any troubles. You can cut on television, hear that 24-7. Well, if you're a Christian and, and you're serving the Lord and you have enough faith, you're not really having any trouble. You'll just wash away troubles. It'll, you'll be healthy and wealthy and wise and free from any concern. And they take this verse and use it as one of the texts that they'll use. Or Romans 8, 20 thing, all things work together for good to those who love God. Therefore, let not your heart be troubled. We as Christians should not have trouble. But we know from personal experience that is a lie. It is simply phony. It is not true. Why? One reason, there is evil in the world. Anybody want to debate about that a while? I had lunch this past week with a member of the House Armed Services Committee. And we talked a little bit, and he told me, as I agreed and I understood prior to the meeting, that we have on our docket today in the world, potentially the most devastating situation America has ever faced. Did you hear that? The most devastating situation we've ever faced, and most of us don't get it. It's not Russia. Not the situation in Syria, it's not Iran, it's North Korea. 
Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The situation in North Korea will have to be addressed in the next few months. And there's no good way to do it that I can see yet, that anybody else in government can see yet. But that potentially has overwhelming ramifications for all of us, even right here in Houston, Texas, anywhere in the United States of America. It's because there is evil in the world. And we could show evil in some religious groups. We could show evil in some people who are just mentally confused, some people who are addicted. There is evil in the world, so there is trouble in the world. But we don't have to look at a global perspective. We can look in our lives. And there's trouble in individual lives. There's trouble in relationships. There's trouble in families. There's trouble in our vocations. There's trouble in, with our health. All around us, we see they're troubled, but this scripture says, let not your heart be troubled, but we are surrounded by troubles. We have troubles. Everybody who walks this earth has troubles. Jesus did. In the preceding chapter, John 13, it says Jesus was troubled. Well, how in the world can Jesus be troubled? You're reading the context there. It's because one of his close associates He'd followed with, he'd loved, he'd believed in, he'd discipled, he had trained. This associate was selling him out. By the way, nobody can really hurt you, really hurt you deeply unless you've loved them, been with them, shared your life with them, they shared your life. That's somebody who can really hurt you. Other people can scar you, but you can back away. But somebody that's really walked inside of life with you, that's the people who can hurt you. This is what Judas did. Jesus was troubled because of Judas. Jesus was troubled because of the braggadocious idea of Peter. Jesus said in the 13th chapter, John, I'm going away. I'm not going to be with you. And Peter says, where are you going? And Jesus says, you can't go with me. And Peter says, I'll go with you. I'll lay down my life for you. It's big talk, isn't it? Jesus looked at the bombastic Pete and said, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows three times in the morning, you'll deny you even know me. Jesus was troubled. He was troubled because he was facing the shame of the cross. He was troubled because he knew the Father would turn his back on him. He was troubled because he knew he would take upon himself all the trash of your life and my life and the trash of the world. Jesus was troubled. But in the midst of the trouble, he was concerned about his apostles. Isn't that something? He was preparing them. He said, let not your heart be troubled. And then he gave them three reasons why they should not let trouble take over their lives. Not that they would not have problems and challenges and pain and suffering and difficulties, but he gave three reasons how you handle it, how you find victory in it. And look what he says. Let not your heart be troubled, number one. Believe in God, believe also in me. When trouble comes to you, when trouble comes to me, the first thing we have to do is to trust God and trust Jesus Christ. It's trust. Can God be trusted? <laughs> he created this world. 
Can Jesus be trusted as you look at his life and his words? He not only taught these principles, he lived them out. So Jesus is saying, trouble comes, don't let trouble get over you and control you and ruin your life. He said, put your trust in me as you put your trust in almighty God. That's where we begin when troubles come. We trust, we believe, put our full weight down upon him. And what's the next thing Jesus says when trouble comes? He said, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If I were not told, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's saying, look, when trouble comes, the worst thing can happen is your life can be taken from you. You can leave this earth. But he said, that shouldn't be an overwhelming trouble because he said, I have gone ahead of you. I have paved the way for you and I have prepared a place just for you. And that will be our home. Anybody thinks they're at home on this earth, you are fooling yourself. It's just like uh, here are fish in an aquarium and they're swimming around and they look contented. I don't know, none of them have ever seemed like they were upset at me, but don't you know instinctively those fish say, surely there's something more than this little rectangle bowl of water here. See, they were meant to be in the ocean. We're like that folks. You see, we're made in the image of God, therefore, all of us breathe something of the air of the Garden of Eden. I mean, this world isn't big enough to contain us. We'll never be totally fulfilled, totally satisfied, totally on top of things, totally happy in this world. It's not going to happen because we're made for something more and bigger than this world. And Jesus says, I'm going ahead of you. Whatever happens in this life, you go to the next life. I have prepared a place for you. Let me tell you something. If you ever come visit us in our home, my wife, Joe Beth, she'll have everything prepared for you. And she'll see that what she doesn't do, I'll do. <laughs> we, we have in our kitchen a little, little, uh, little chalkboard and she writes, welcome and puts your name on it. That's pretty personal, isn't it? And she'll find out what kind of coffee you like. She'll find out, do you drink Diet Coke? I say, surely not. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> And she'll try to prepare meals and, and set the whole environment from the bed if you're spending the night to all the little bitty extra things. My wife is just Phi Beta Kappa in doing all the little things that prepare someone to help them feel totally at home. Jesus is saying God has done that for all of his sons and all of his daughters. That's heaven. He's prepared a place for you. We're pilgrims, we're passing through. We'll never be totally at home here, but when we all get to heaven, we'll be completely at home there in a way that we can't even imagine in this life. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man. What God has, what's the word, prepared for those of us who love him, those of us who are in relation with him. So don't let trouble overwhelm you. Don't let trouble overwhelm me because we trust God, we trust Christ, and we know Jesus has gone ahead of us and prepared a place for us. And when we get there, your initials will be there and for the first time you'll be totally at home. 
The best day of my life will be the last day I live on this earth, but the last day of I live on this earth will not by a long shot be the best day of my life. That's true of you. That's true of me. This is something of the little vision we're going to get of heaven in our study in these weeks. Also, he says something else. The next thing he says, he said, I not only will go prepare a place for you, he said, I will go and prepare a place for you, verse three, and I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I'm going. He said, not only do you have to put your trust in me, not only have I prepared a place uniquely for you, but he says, I am going to come and get you when life leaves this body or the curtain of history comes down, I'm gonna come and get you. I'm gonna take you to that place uniquely prepared for you. And more than that, I'm gonna stay with you and be there with you. Man, what kind of beautiful comfort and promise that should be. By the way, Luke, I mean, John chapter 14 is a whole chapter of comfort. Martin Luther said it's the best chapter of comfort in the Bible. You read John 14, it's just comfort stacked on comfort, stacked on comfort, stacked on comfort. It is a comforting word, and this is the very heart of that comforting word. He will come and get us. Breath leaves his body. He will take us to the place that has been prepared where we'll first time and ever feel totally at home and he will abide there with us. What a deal. That is the beginning of heaven. And then we read, Jesus says, I am going away. And look what happens. Amazing thing. Thomas speaks up. Now listen. Jesus says, and you know the way where I'm going. Thomas speaks up. Listen what he says. Lord, we did not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus says, you know the way? Thomas says, huh, we don't know where you're going. I know the way. That happens all the time in the world to me. Uh, Joe Benson Hospital, they'll say, they're gonna give her an XYZQR test. I don't know what they're talking about. You go to the bank and they said, well, we're having an audit and it's a Q2B audit. We don't know what, every profession has all of these initials and numbers and names, and we just sit there like, oh yes, I know that, I'm all over that, I, <laughs> sure. And that's what happened here. All the other apostles, Jesus says, you know, I, I'm, I'm going away and you know the way, and they said, oh yes, we know the way. We know. And Thomas, thank God for Thomas, he stands up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How in the world can we know the way? <laughs> Doubting Thomas. He professed his ignorance. Then he asked a question. We need to learn how to do that, folks. Don't be so smug, sophisticated. Man, I, I get that. I know what that's doing. No, no, no. He professed his ignorance. He said, I don't know where you're going, Lord. And if you don't know where you're going, I don't know the way. And then Jesus uttered the most exclusive, narrow statement that you'll ever find. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, 
and I am the life. He explained clearly and probably elaborated on this to the apostles exactly what that was all about. He said, I am the way. How do you get to God, ladies and gentlemen? How do you get to know God? How how do you have an entree to God? How do you listen to God? How do you speak to God? Jesus says, I'm the way you do it. And it comes through reconciliation. Anybody who is arrogant enough, and I want to say stupid enough, to think we could just walk up to God and say, God, I want to have a little talk with you, and God, I want to tell you what I think, and God, no, 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 no. We don't have that entree, folks. We're unholy, impure, stained, broken, lost, confused people. We have to be reconciled. We have to have a way to get to God, and Jesus is the way. He established the way through reconciliation by dying on a cross and paid the price for all of your stuff and all of my stuff. Therefore, he is the way, the way, the way. And it comes because he has reconciled us, you and me, to almighty God so we can go right before our heavenly father. He's the way. He said, I'm the truth. And and the truth is, is the embellishment. It is the enlightenment. It is the facts. People say, well, this is true. That is true. Who can know truth? Jesus not only spoke the truth, but he embodied the truth. He tells us about God. It's not, well, this is what I think. This is what somebody told me. This is what I believe. No, no. Jesus tells us the truth about God. If you really want to know the truth about God, there is Jesus. Make no mistake about it. He's the way, he is the truth, and truth is the enlightenment so we understand all we need to know about the Almighty. He's the way, and he is the life. He he regenerates us. We die, we leave this earth, we get that resurrected body, and all of a sudden we are regenerated. We have life forever meant for heaven. See, Jesus said the way, the truth, and the life. Does that sound too narrow, too exclusive? Truth is always narrow and exclusive. By definition, something that's true, it's true. Jesus said, I'm the way. Man, this is the way you get to the Father. I'm the truth. This is the enlightenment of what's really going on with God in life and what it's all about. And I am the life. And he gives us that life so we can walk around heaven all day and have life that's meaning there. You see, heaven is, heaven is, and it really is real. A young girl was diagnosed with terminal illness. And she realized that when all of her family and friends were gathered. And her mother comes and says, let me show you what death is, and took her out of this room and put her into another room by herself. The little girl was crying. 
the mother went and got another member of the family and brought her in the room with a little girl and another one and another one till all of them were in the room with a little girl. And the mother said, this is the way it is with death. You just went first. He said, all of us will follow with you afterwards. That's a partial story. But the truth was, if the mother was Jesus Christ, Jesus comes to get us and take us to himself. And we are the first that's there in our family, maybe the 21st in our family, but one day we'll all be there together, those who die in the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand, he's the way, the truth, and the life. It's heaven. It's the joy and the privilege of heaven. To say it another way, heaven is exciting. It's exciting. My mother prayed every night of my life. She'd have family altar, and when I was young and a teenager, I didn't like it, but she'd always pray these words. When thou art through with us on this earth, take us to our home, which is in heaven. I didn't like that. It's about death. Man, I wasn't interested in death. Don't want to talk about death. Don't want to recognize death when you're young, and even for many who are older. But I understand that now. She was saying to our home, which is in heaven. And man, it is exciting. So exciting to understand that. Let's say that a friend invited you to a party. You went to the party. There's a few people there. Order is all right. A little laughter. Talking to one another. It's okay. You'd been there an hour or so and your friend said, let's leave. He said, no, maybe the party will pick up. <laughs> said, no, let's go. So your friend takes you and takes you home and you open the door and all of a sudden your home lights come on. There's laughter, there is food. There's people you hadn't seen in a long time. Your family is there. There's celebration there. There is music there. And all of a sudden you realize that you have gone to your own graduation party. And it is really terrific. It is magnificent. And you said, my goodness, I was worried about leaving that little old one horse party, but look at this celebration, this banquet that I've come to. You see, we have the idea, well, I leave this world. I may have missed something and boy, it needs to go on. Oh no, we go to a party, a banquet, a place of excitement we can't even imagine in this life. It's called heaven, heaven. And I don't want to get us too excited about heaven today because you'll say, pull up a bus and let's go there right now. (laughs) No, no, no. But God tells us all we need to know about heaven to know that in heaven we'll have resurrected lives. In heaven, all of our friends will have resurrected lives. In heaven, there'll be a resurrected new heaven and a new earth. In heaven, there'll be a resurrected Jesus. In heaven, there'll be a resurrected culture. In heaven, there'll be challenges and creativity and joy and celebration that'll go on and on that's beyond anything we can picture or imagine because we see heaven is real. It's real. Older Christian man was dying. He's in the bed. His son came in, sat on the edge of the bed and said, Dad, I 
how do you feel? And that Christian man with a little smile on his face said, son, I feel like a young boy on Christmas Eve. You see, heaven is exciting. Heaven is. Heaven is. Father, we celebrate that truth. We praise you for that truth. May we live with anticipation, knowing that we won't miss anything here. And nobody's gone ahead has missed anything here. But Lord, we anticipate the joy, the thrill, the shout, the celebration. We know, Lord, an athletic event, just a foretaste of heaven. Delicious food, just a foretaste of heaven. A trip, fun, just a foretaste of heaven. Marriage, children, grandchildren, just a foretaste of heaven. Lord, you'll put all of that together in a way, in a capsule, in a life forever that we can't even imagine here. Thank you for the blessed assurance, for the confidence that we have to be absent from the body is to be present with you. May we live in that anticipated excitement, the excitement of heaven is our prayer of thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Ask no one to move, no one to leave. But as we sing, I invite you to get up wherever you're seated. Walk down these aisles in a few moments as we sing this chorus and, and say, I want to come to Christ. I want a new life in Jesus Christ. I want to be forgiven. I, I want to accept his invitation to know God and to have this new beginning in my life. I give him all that I am and all that I'll ever be. As we sing, if you need to do that, what a moment to do it. If you're a Christian, I invite you to sing to get up and walk down these aisles to say, I want this family to be my family. I want to be a part of this church and grow in biblical truth. So as we sing, anyone who stands, no one stands, please, please. Except those who are saying, I'm coming to Christ. I'm nailing down my commitment to him. Or I'm a Christian. I'm coming to the life of this church. Boy, as he speaks to your heart, what a wonderful moment to come into the family and to put up your flag with us as we seek to give the world heaven. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.